Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at Chapter 8 of Eclipse, titled Temper. And this title, Temper, it just alludes to the fact that werewolves are so unpredictable when they turn sometimes. They keep using that as an excuse being like, oh, don't go near the werewolves because they're so unpredictable when they get angry. You know what? They're not that bad. When they turn into their wolf form, they still have control of their own actions. They still have self-awareness in this version of werewolves. In other versions, yeah, it would be it would be worrisome if someone turned into a wolf in front of you, but in this one, they should still be in control. I think Sam needs to stop using that as an excuse for why he physically dismembered his girlfriend. Oh, sorry, babe, turned into a wolf. That's why you're now disfigured for life. Like, no, you turn into a wolf with your own brain still present. And uh, ah, these books, none of it makes sense. Anyway, so where we left off, there was a prison break. Jacob got her out of school and she's chuffing it up to La Push for a day of frivolity. And it was at this point that I was thinking, God, like, what are they even going to do in La Push? La Push sounds so boring. Once you've dived off the cliff and like ridden a motorbike around town, like what else is there to do? And she says at the start of this chapter, she says, we ended up on the beach again, wandering aimlessly. Like, okay, thrilling. Thanks, Jake, for breaking me out of school to take me wandering around a beach aimlessly. Is there not a bowling alley or something we could go to? Like, or a cafe? Can they not go to a cafe and get a shake? And she tells us, Jacob was still full of himself for engineering my escape. Like, okay, it wasn't a brilliant plan. He just rocked up to school and said, hop on. And then you drove to his house. Like, it's not like a prison break situation where he's got the schematics and the blueprints of the prison tattooed onto his body. He was just driving his motorbike. That's not brilliant but he's very proud of himself and they're chucking rocks into the ocean and he's quizzing her about whether they'll be mad when she goes back. And she says, yes. And he says, well, don't go back. And she says, well, Charlie would love that. And he said, well, actually, yeah, I think Charlie wouldn't mind that much. And she's like, "Ugh, yeah, he's probably right. Charlie's blatant preference for my LaPush friends was so unfair. Oh, it's so unfair. Is it that unfair that he'd rather you hang out with your family friends that have never done you any harm as opposed to Edward Cullen who has destroyed your life. Like, I don't know. I sort of see Charlie's perspective. And she says, 
I wondered if Charlie would feel the same if he knew the choice was really between vampires and werewolves. Yeah, probably he would prefer werewolves. I can't imagine him electing to choose vampires. And so Bella trying to make small talk, she says, so what's the latest pack scandal? And Jacob skids to a halt and he's staring at her with shocked eyes because obviously there has been a scandal. And she's like, oh, I was just joking. It's like, okay, Bella, you were, you were digging for the tea, Bells. You don't have to pretend with us. In the narration, oh, I'm just joking. No, you weren't, bitch. And so she says, well, is there a scandal once he's stopped talking? So yeah, now that, now that she thinks there is a scandal, she really wants to know. And Jacob says, oh yeah, I, um, I forgot what it's like <laughs> not having everyone know everything in my head all the time. And then he doesn't say anything. And they just keep walking down the beach for a few minutes. And she's like, okay, so what is it? She's like, okay, stop dropping hints at this point. I kind of really want to know the tea. What's the goss? And she tried being nonchalant at the start, but now she's like, okay, seriously, tell me. And he says, well, Quill imprinted. That's three now. The rest of us are starting to get a bit worried. It's more common than the stories say. And then he's staring at her. (laughs) It's so obvious. She says, he gazed into my eyes without speaking. His eyebrows furrowed in concentration. And she starts to feel self-conscious. And she's like, what are you staring at? And it's like, he's obviously trying to stare you down. So he imprints on you, but it's not going to happen, dude. And then he sighs and he just grabs her hand. And they start walking down the beach aimlessly, hand in hand. And she starts thinking, oh, wow. I wonder if I should object to me and him holding hands. But it's always sort of been this way with Jacob. So I guess I really shouldn't get worked up about it. And it's like, yeah, no, stop holding his hand. He clearly is in love with you and you don't want to date him. So maybe stop leading him on or have boundaries and say, look, again, again, not interested. I know I've told you before that I don't want to date you, but let me tell you again. And also, if Jacob's ever in a vicinity with Edward ever again, he's going to see that in his head and Edward's going to be pissed off. Like, this is just a recipe for disaster, Bells. It's going to hurt Edward's feelings. You're going to hurt Jacob's feelings. You're going to hurt your own feelings. Just stop holding the fucker's hand. Like, it's that simple. And also, while she's worrying about all of this, I'm like, uh, maybe ask a follow-up question about Quill imprinting. Like live outside of your own head for one moment, Bells. And she actually does say, eventually, she says, why is Quill's imprinting such a scandal? And he says, well, it's, uh, um, well. And she's like, oh God, what, what is it? Spit it out. Are you going to tell me or do I have to guess? And he says, well, um, so Quill's been hanging out with us recently. Uh, but before that he wasn't. So we hadn't really been around Emily's place that much. And she goes, oh no. Quill's imprinted on Emily too. And he says, no, no, no. I told you not to guess, bitch. Like you're just going to hold up the story if you keep jutting in. And he says, Emily had her two nieces down for a visit and Quill met Claire. And she's like, Emily doesn't want her niece with a werewolf. That's a little hypocritical. For some reason, Bella just like hates Emily, but she also loves Emily because she understands Emily, but maybe like back off Emily, Bella. And also like, You've, you've met Emily, you know, she's like, what, 21, 23 max. Like chances are her niece is going to be quite young, but that doesn't cross Bella's mind yet. Oh boy. And then Jacob says, well, um, and in the midst of this conversation, she thinks, well, it does make sense that Emily wouldn't want her niece to date 
a werewolf because she does have those long scars that mar her face. (laughs) Always got to bring up the scars. Always. And she says Sam lost control just once when he was standing too close to her. Once was all it took. Ah, well. And it's like, okay, yeah, he still beat up his girlfriend, essentially. And we're just like giving him a pass because he's a werewolf and he lost control. Like, maybe don't lose control then, Sam. And Jacob's like, okay, stop guessing. Uh, Emily, uh, it's a little bit more complicated. Um, oh, it's a bit early. And Bella says, what do you mean early? And it's, oh God, Bella, can you figure it out, please? And Jacob says, try not to be judgmental. And she nods and it's like, okay, Bella not being judgmental. I don't know about that. She pretty much calls Emily Scarface McGee. She's judgmental. And Jacob says, Claire is two. Oh boy, oh boy, I, oh boy. I do not know why Stephanie's doing this. I think, is she just trying to soften the blow for us for when Jacob imprints on a literally zero day old baby? Oh boy, but yep, Quill's imprinted on a two year old. Oh God, oh God. I forgot that this was a storyline, but the, the, the pedophilia just jumps out. I don't know if when I read this, when I was 18, if I was just like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, wh- how, how did we all read this and just get on with our lives? Weren't we all just shocked? How did we, as a culture, process this? Because I'm, I, I, I can't. And she says, oh my God, Quill imprinted with a two-year-old? And Jacob shrugs and says, it happens. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, it happens, it happens. There's only ever been like two other versions of imprinting and, and it didn't involve two-year-old kids, but now it happens. Oh boy, oh boy. And Bella says, but she's a baby. And he says, well, Quill's not getting any older. He'll just have to be patient for a few decades. <gasps> that's essentially like saying, put him on lay-by. Like, oh, that's not okay. This is not okay. How did we ever read this book seriously? And Bella says, I was trying my hardest not to be critical, but in truth, I was horrified. Until now, nothing about the werewolves had bothered me since the day I'd found out they weren't committing the murders I'd suspected them of. Nothing had bothered her about the werewolves, including the story about Sam mauling his girlfriend. She found out about that after discovering the werewolves. So I guess she's lumping that into that expression just now saying that nothing had ever bothered her. And Jacob's like, stop making judgments. I can tell. And she's like, sorry, but, it, but you know, it does really sound creepy. And Jacob's like, oh, it's not like that. You've got it all wrong. I've seen what it's like through his eyes. There's nothing romantic about it. Not for Quill. Not now. Not now. So they're alluding to the fact that it will become romantic eventually. As soon as she hits the age of consent, it's going to become romantic. Don't know if that explains away the grooming of it all. And she says, Jake's getting really frustrated and he's taking a deep breath. And he says, it's so hard to describe. It's not like love at first sight. It's more like gravity moves. When you see her, suddenly it's not the earth holding you here anymore. She does, nothing matters but her, blah, blah, blah. You become whatever she needs you to be, whether that's a protector or a lover or a friend or a brother. And he says, Quill will be the best, kindest big brother any kid ever had. And then when she's older and she needs a friend, well, and then when she's grown up, they'll be as happy as Emily and Sam. So they're all working under the assumption that they're going to end up fucking. And that is so uncomfortable. 
And yeah, when she's grown up, they'll be, they'll be as happy as Emily and Sam. Whether she wants it or not, the little two-year-old doesn't get a say in any of this. And also saying as happy as Emily and Sam, maybe Emily would be happier if she didn't have a huge giant scar over her face. Maybe, I don't know. So I don't know why we're using them as an example of what the ideal relationship is. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Every time I think Bella should be hanging out with the wolves instead of with the vampires, they just, they come up with this pedophilia ring. And and now I'm back on the vampire's side. Like there's no other way to describe the internal conflict here. Edward may be gaslighting, but at least he's not a pedophile. Although he is over a hundred years old and was dating a high school. So maybe, oh God, oh boy, there's just a lot going on, isn't there? Oh, there's a lot going on. And Bella says, well, doesn't Claire get a choice? And he says, of course, but why wouldn't she choose him in the end? He'll be her perfect match. Like he was designed for her alone. What if she's a lesbian, Jake? What if she's really into redheads? Why wouldn't she choose him? Uh, It's just, it's just, ugh. And so then Bella says, well, when do you think it will happen for you, the imprinting? Ah, she's always got to bring it back to her in a roundabout way. And Jacob says, I don't think it will ever happen. You have to see her, the one that's supposedly meant for you. What if it's a boy? That's what I keep wondering. Like, what if one of them imprints on a boy? How would they handle the gay panic of it all? I'm not too sure. I'd like to see a fanfic of that. If you've seen a fanfic of Jacob imprinting on a boy of legal age, please send it through to me. And Bella says, so you think that if you haven't seen her yet, then she's not out there. But Jacob, you haven't really seen much of the world. Less than me even. But really Bella's just trying to deflect because she can sense that Jacob's trying to declare his love for her. And Jacob says, I'll never see anyone else, Bella. I only see you. And she's like, oh God, this is awkward. Uh, Maybe I better go home. And he's like, what? No, stay. And he's surprised. It's like, maybe he'd be less surprised if you stopped holding his hand, walking romantically down a beach. To give clinging Jacob some credit, he might be getting a mixed message. Although he is being very clingy. Like if you really want to imprint on someone that badly, Jacob, just go up to like the children's ward at the hospital, check out all the babies getting born and just stare them all down until one connects. I'm sure there's a local school that you could be banned from visiting. So Jacob's trying to convince her to stay a bit longer. So he's like, all right, Bella, let's go back up to the house and we'll play with our motorbikes. I wish that was a metaphor, but no, it's not. He's actually talking about motorbikes. So they go ride their motorbikes around the back roads of La Push. Uh, wasn't she just grounded for this? Like, <sighs> and then they have some sandwiches. They hang out in the garage. Boring, boring, boring. And then they're drinking some warm sodas in the garage. And she says, oh, this is nice. I've missed this place. And he's like, what, this place? And then he says, do you remember last Valentine's day? I think that was the last time you were here. The last time when things were still normal. Yeah, this is a bad territory to be on. That's dangerous territory, Jacob. Stop pushing it. You haven't imprinted on her. Give up. And he's sighing and he's like, oh, it feels like years ago, another era, a happier one. And in her head, she's thinking, oh, I'm much happier now. (laughs) Which, yeah, she is. She was really depressed back then, Jacob. I don't know how you're not connecting those dots there. She wasn't happy. And then Jake says, well, you know what? I'm so sorry about dobbing you into Charlie about the bikes. I kind of wish I didn't do that. And she's like, yeah, I kind of wish you didn't do that too. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, you're forgiven. 
So we're getting some great closure from conflicts that I would no longer care about. And then he says, you know, that day when I brought the bike over, I've been wanting to ask you, but like, I sort of don't want to ask you, but dot, dot, dot. And he trails off. But then he says, were you just being stubborn because you were mad at me or were you really serious? And she says, about what? Even though she knew what he meant. (laughs) And he says, you know, you said it was none of my business if you, well, if he bit you. And he's like, were you serious? And she says, yeah, yeah, I was actually. And Jacob's like, well, okay, you know, that will mean war, right? Like if they break the treaty, you do understand that. And she says, I will leave first. And he says, well, um, there's not a geographic limit to the treaty, Bella. Is it in writing? Is this treaty in writing? Because I'd love to refer back to it because now there's not a geographic limit, but there was a ward fucking boundary just a couple of chapters ago. We we're talking about the geographic boundary of the treaty. And now, oh, but now there's not a geographic limit to the treaty. Well, I don't know. Can we look at the subclause on the treaty? Can we go back to the text of the treaty and nut it out? Because I don't know. This whole treaty business, she, I don't even know if there ever was a treaty. Like it doesn't make sense that there would be a treaty. The werewolves hate the vampires so much and vice versa. How did they ever come to an agreement? He says, oh, our great grandparents, they only agreed to keep the peace because the Cullens swore that they were different and that humans weren't in danger from them. And yet all of the current werewolves seem to hate the Cullens, even though they've said the humans aren't in danger. They're the same people. How did this treaty ever get off the ground? Like, I, uh, I don't understand it. I do not understand it. And like, what were the great grandparent pack wolves ever getting out of it? There was no quid to their quo. And the Cullens went through all that trouble to make a treaty just so they could live there for a few years and then rack off because people noticed they weren't aging. Like, (sighs) anyway, Jacob's saying there's no geographic limit to the treaty. If they do bite a human anywhere ever, then they'll be no different from other vampires and they can hunt them down. And well, haven't they already broken the treaty then? Because I'm pretty sure Jasper was turned after that last treaty was made, right? I don't think Alice was with them then either. So that's at least two human beings that have been bitten since the establishment of the treaty. So it's already broken. So what are you waiting for, Jake? Invade them now, fight them now. They've already broken the treaty. And Bella has a great point. She says, well, haven't you already broken the treaty because you told people about vampires? Wasn't secrecy the deal and you told me, so isn't the treaty sort of moot anyhow? Okay, Jacob wasn't party to the treaty. He wasn't a wolf yet. He didn't even know the wolves were real. He didn't know the vampires were real. He just mentioned a story about cold ones. Anyone could have told you that story because vampires have existed in literature for fucking years. And Jacob says, yeah, I broke the treaty back before I believed any of it. And I'm sure they were informed of that. And then he glared at her forehead. It's like, okay, if, if they were informed of that, it'd be only Bella that would have told them. So like, why are we talking in circles? Just say, yeah, and you told them, you ratted me out, Bells. But Jacob's like, well, there's no tit for tat. If they want to fight me for breaking the treaty, they can. But if they go and break the treaty, then we can fight them and, and, and it'll be war. I don't know, Jacob. I, at this point, you've got to stop putting any emphasis on this treaty. If you want to kill them, just go out and kill them. And like, do you really have to wait until the teeth actually sink into the skin? You can only jump in after they've bitten a human. We haven't got any premeditated biting that we want to prevent. No, no. 
Doesn't matter if it's premeditated. It just only matters once the teeth hit the skin, then the treaty's broken. Oh, that's so dumb. Oh, this whole treaty thing. Oh, Stephanie, you're an idiot. She really thought she was doing something with that treaty. And (sighs) I'm finding the more I read in this series, like the more plot holes are just getting explained with more plot holes. And she's just saying random shit in the first book that now has become a problem for her in the later books. And she doesn't know how to get out of it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And Bella says, will you never forgive me, Jacob? Because she's effectively saying, yeah, I want to be a vampire. So what of it? And he says, well, you won't be Bella anymore. My friend won't exist. So there'll be no one to forgive. And she says, that sounds like a no. Uh, Yeah, no shit. And she says, well, is this goodbye then, Jake? And he's like, what? Nah, we've still got years. Can't we be friends until then? And she's like, years, more like weeks. She says, no, Jake, not years. Weeks is more accurate. Again, why are you giving him this information? You are only going to set him off. We know he's got a temper. Famously, he's got a temper. Like, why are you going to be so honest? And then she says, I was not expecting his reaction. Why weren't you expecting his reaction? Like, how could you not see that reaction coming? I just just don't know how she's so dumb. So he's suddenly on his feet. He's squeezing his soda can so hard it pops off and flies everywhere. He's really losing his temper. And then he calms himself down. So, okay. Maybe he doesn't have that big of a temper. He's gone to anger management or something because he's got it under control but he's still fucking pissed off. So he says, he's going to change you into a filthy bloodsucker in just a few weeks. 
and she says, too stunned to take offense at his words, I just nod. Oh, she's so stunned at his reaction. What was she expecting, a parade? And then she says, his face turned green under the russet skin. Russet skin again. Oh God, that kills me. And then there's a long minute of silence. A long minute of silence. No, a minute's a minute. It's 60 seconds. It's not long, it's not short. If it's any shorter than 60 seconds, it's not a minute. If it's any longer, it's minutes. (sighs) And she says, yeah, Jake, two weeks, of course. He's 17 and I get closer to 19 every day. She says that as if it makes all the sense in the world, even though Jacob just introduced us to a relationship between a 16 year old and a two year old. So maybe age differences doesn't bother Jacob. Maybe that's not a way to get him on side. Why she cares so much about being two years older than him, I'll never know. Like they say age is just a number, but it's even more irrelevant for a vampire because they don't age. He doesn't age. So he's not really 17. It would only matter if he wanted to get a drink or go out to a nightclub, but I'm sure he can get a fake ID for that, Bells. And she says, well, he's all I want. What else can I do? And he says, anything, Bella, anything else. You'd be better off dead. I'd rather you were. Same. Hard same. And she recoils like he'd slapped her. And she says it hurt worse than if he had slapped her. As long as he hasn't scratched half your face off, I think you're fine. And then she says, well, maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe I'll get hit by a truck on my way back. And she jumps on the motorcycle. (laughs) And she drives on out of there. She drives on straight to the Cullens' house in the rain on the slick highway. I don't know how she didn't die, quite frankly. I don't know how she's driving off thinking that she's the victim. All he did was say, like, I'd really hope you wouldn't become a lifeless, soulless, blood-sucking vampire. Like, is it that bad? She needs to get her head out of her own ass. Yeah, vampires have a bad PR problem. You can't expect everyone to get on board with you becoming a vampire. Not unless they start donating to charity and doing a bit more for their community. Like, I'm sorry, like Carlisle, he works at the hospital. Yeah, I'll give him that. But what are the rest of them doing? Alice is making huge profits off the stock market. And I don't see them ever donating to any charities. They don't sleep. They have like dozens of degrees between them. How come Rosalie hasn't found a cure for cancer yet? The vampires are morally reprehensible. I don't know how I'm on that tangent. Okay, so she's back at the Collins' house and Alice is standing next to her yellow Porsche sighing because she's trying to guilt trip Bella because, oh, now I'll have to return the Porsche. Like, oh, poor you. Poor little rich girl has to return a Porsche. I am so sorry for your inconvenience. I'm so sorry that you don't have a Porsche. I'm not gonna feel sorry for you, Alice. And then Alice says to her, you look like you could use a hot shower. And apparently she said it offhandedly, but really you can tell Alice is smelling her being like, oh God, you stink. And Alice says, do you want to talk about it? And she says, nope. (laughs) And Bella says, can't I just go home? And she grimaces and she's like, oh God. So I'm still a hostage. Like, hello, you just drove to the Cullens. You could have gone home. You could have just gone home. You actively drove to the Cullens and now you're like, oh, so I guess I'm still a hostage, right? You have agency, Bells. And Bella says, I went to bed early that night, curling up on his sofa again. Bitch, use the bed. I'm sick of this using the sofa as protest business. Just use the bed. And then she gets woken up in the middle of the night 
It's super dark, apparently. And then she realizes that she's not on the couch. She's in the bed. And she's like, what? And she can't see because it's so dark. She says it was darker than last night. The clouds were too thick for the moon to shine through. It's just pitch black. But Edward says, sorry, I didn't mean to wake you. So now she's realized that Edward's there. Like, how else did she think she got magically transported to the bed? I don't know. And she's tensing, waiting for his fury. Oh boy. But then she's realizing that, oh, the vibe's not that bad, actually. There's just this like stillness and peacefulness between us. And she says, oh, I didn't even care that I was supposed to be angry with him. I reached out for his hands in the darkness and pulled myself closer to him. My lips searched, hunting along his throat to his chin till I finally found his lips. How hard is it to find someone's lips? It's not a pin the tail on the donkey belly. Like, it should be pretty easy to find lips on a face. And Edward laughs and he's like, oh, I was thinking I was going to face your wrath, but instead you're kissing me. I should infuriate you more often. And she's like, ha ha ha, that's hilarious. And she's smooching him. And then he's knotting his fingers in her hair and they're making small talk. And then his cold lips are pressing under her jaw. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And then she's tightening her arms around his neck. And then his hands down around her legs. (laughs) Okay. And he's pausing on her calf. And then he pulls her leg up, hitching it around his hip. Okay. Okay. We're getting into some dry hump territory. And she stops breathing because she's like, this is new. This isn't something he would normally allow. And you can tell in her head, she's thinking like, oh man, are we going to smash? She's like, we are going to smash. She's starting to get all hot. His lips move to the hollow at the base of her throat. And I guess it's getting a bit too hot and heavy for Edward. So he just tries to make some more small talk. And he says, why why do you hate the bed? What's with the bed hate? But then before she could answer, he rolls over, pulling her with him. And so that she's on top of him. So now they're doing cowgirl position. And he's got her face in his hands and his mouth's on her throat again. And he's like, I think the bed's nice. And she's like, it's unnecessary. Oh, she's so upset about how unnecessary the bed is. How dare they spend 400 bucks on a bed? No, bitch, if they're going to kidnap you and force you to stay at that house for days on end. Yeah, you should have a bed. You can't kidnap someone and put them on the couch. That's just like against the rules of some sort of treaty. Oh my God. And then they're still kissing. And she can't just say, oh, I kissed him. It's always got to be his lips shaped themselves around my lips and my lips moved down to his lips and trailed along his jaw and his cold lips. They trailed around my throat. And it's like, oh, can you just say kissed? We made out. Full stop. So now he's lying on top of her, but she's not feeling crushed because he's managing the weight. Like, oh, okay, great. And they're still talking about why she's not in the bed. Oh, and then cold as ice, his tongue lightly traced the shape of my lips. Just say you're Frenched. And he keeps bringing up the bed. He's just quizzing her about the bed. And then she's thinking, oh, maybe there's uh, some more significance to this bed than I'd originally guessed. So she's thinking, maybe he bought the bed so that we could smash. I don't know why she didn't think that previously. Or maybe she did think that previously. She's an idiot. But she's getting her hopes up because she wants to lose a V-card before graduation, which is the plot of American Pie, but anyway. And then he rolls off her and he says, don't be ridiculous, Bella. He said, disapproval strong in his voice. I was just trying to illustrate the benefits of the bed you don't seem to like. Don't get carried away. So now he's gaslighting her. He bought a bed so they could fuck in it. 
And now he's making out with her in the middle of the night in the pitch black darkness. And he's rolling her around, hitching up her legs around his hips. And then he's lying on top of her. And as soon as she's like, oh, maybe we should smash in this bed. He's like, what? That's crazy. Don't be ridiculous. Beds are for sleeping. Like, oh, shut up, Edward. And she's like, okay, I do like the bed, but I still think it's unnecessary. If we're not going to get carried away, what's the point? The point is to sleep in it, Bella. To sleep in it. And he's like, oh, for fuck's sake, Bella, it's too dangerous to fuck you while I'm a vampire and you're a human. And she's, she's really kind of hinting that she really wants it anyway. She says, I like danger. So she's pretty much like, yeah, ravage me. Ravage me with your ice pick penis. Has she thought this through at all? Like I get being so in lust with someone that you are not thinking about the consequences. But it's a vampire, Bella. If his dick doesn't kill you, he'll want to drink your blood. He'll lose control. Everyone's all worried about the werewolves losing control. Oh, they'll lose control. What about him? He's pretty much admitted as much. If I ever bang you or kiss you for too long, I'm going to want to drink all your blood and you'll die. And she's like, well, it's a risk. It's a risk I'm willing to take. Why, Bella? Why? No D is that good, Bella. Let me tell you. And after she said, I like danger, he said, I know. And there was a sour edge to his voice. And she realized that he must have seen the motorcycle in the garage. He also reads minds. And also, you've put yourself in danger multiple times in the past. So, uh, it doesn't just have to do with the motorbike. He could be referring to that time you jumped off a cliff or... You went into the Volturi's nest in Italy. So many, so many instances. Remember that time James was hanging out at a ballet studio and you just went there willingly because he asked you nicely. Like, oh, 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 he knows that I like danger. He must have seen the motorbike. Oh God, you fucking idiot. And she says, well, I'll tell you what's dangerous. If you don't bang me soon, I'm going to spontaneously combust and you'll have no one but yourself to blame. She really doesn't get that it's more dangerous for her to bang him than the chance that she would spontaneously combust. And also like, if you've got these urges, then Bella, then just masturbate. Explore your body, Bells. And then he pushes her away and she's like, what are you doing? And he says, protecting you from combustion. (sighs) This is all very charming. It's all very charming. And Edward's done it again. Here we are talking about combusting and banging on a bed instead of banging on a couch and no one's bringing up the fact that he kidnapped you. You were a prisoner for a few days. He held you hostage. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about how horny she is. Like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And we're going back and forth about, oh, how he might get carried away. And she's like, oh, I'll risk it. And he says, you have no idea, Bella. It doesn't help that you're so eager to undermine my self-control. And she's like, I'm not going to apologize for that. She really wants him to kill her. And he says, can I apologize? And she's like, for what? Like, she's just forgotten. And he has to remind her, he says, you, you were angry with me, remember Bella? And she goes, oh, that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, oh, that. He's trying to take accountability and she won't even let him. And he says, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I go a little berserk when I try to leave you. I don't think I'll go so far again. It's not worth it. Yeah, then don't. There's a perfectly good forest out the back. Like, do you have to go out far? And do you have to hunt mountain lions? Like, (sighs) and then he says, sorry, I also had Alice hold you hostage. I guess that was a bad idea. I won't do it again. And she says, okay. Okay, I said easily. 
he was already forgiven. Why? Why? Like, I'm a Scorpio. I love to hold a grudge. I understand the theory that grudges may not be beneficial for your own mental health and they take their own toll and they can actually be quite toxic. Like, I get that, but I still love to hold a grudge. But why is she so quick to forgive? I just can't understand it. Just the teeniest, tiniest little grudge might actually help you in the long run, Bells. And then she says, but slumber parties do have their advantages. And she curls closer to him and she presses her lips into the indentation over his collarbone. Again, with the pressing of the lips, just say kissed. And she says, you can hold me hostage anytime you want. Oh, she's not got a backbone. She has got not a single bone in her back. And he's like, "Mm, I might take you up on that. Oh God, this fucking chapter. And then she says, oh, so it's my turn to apologize, right? And he says, you have nothing to apologize for. And she's like, uh, pull the other one. Like, obviously you're mad at me. And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, uh, didn't you see Alice when you got home? Aren't you going to like take her Porsche away? Cause like I ruined the Porsche. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to take the Porsche away. It was a gift. And she's so confused. She says, I wished I could see his expression. And at this point I'm thinking, okay, surely your eyes have adjusted just the teensiest bit. She's still saying how pitch black it is. She can't see him. His centimeters in front of her face. And she cannot see his expression because she just, she doesn't have any night vision at all. I'd be eating more carrots if I were you, Bella, because I think you should be able to see a little bit after like 10 minutes in the dark. Your eyes are just a teensy bit. And she's doing the whole, but I went to La Push. How come you're not mad at me? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. And then she's so shocked by him not being furious with her. (laughs) She's so shocked at him being like a normal calm boyfriend that she's tracing his features with her fingers, trying to understand his mood. So it's, it's just so dark in there. She's trying to do braille with his face. Is she, is she sleeping with an eye mask on or something? Did she forget to take that off? Because surely it's not that dark. There's a window in the room. I, I, I can't imagine it's that dark. And Edward, he's owning up to shit. I, I don't trust it. I do not believe him at all. But he's saying, yeah, you were right. What you said about my prejudices against the wolves. I'm going to try and be more reasonable and trust your judgment. If you say it's safe, then I'll believe you. I'm not willing to let this drive a wedge between us. And I am not buying it. It's not adding up. Something changed within you. Something is not the same. But then he does say, are you going to La Push again soon? Just so I know I can make my own plans. I don't want to feel like you have to hurry back because I'm sitting around waiting for you. Which I think is a bit, it's a bit on the nose. I think he's trying to flip that being like, if you leave me, I'm also going to go and have a trip. And she's like, well, don't worry about that. I don't think I'm welcome there anymore. And she's like, I I thought he would have realized about the whole her getting turned into a vampire thing. And she says he wasn't expecting that it was so soon. And Edward goes, ah, like he hasn't read Jacob's mind before. He knew this was coming. And then she says, he said he'd rather see me dead. And he hugs her and he says, I'm so sorry. And she says, I thought you'd be glad. And he's just like being a nice boyfriend for once. And she's so shocked by it. And he's like, why would I be glad that you've been hurt? (laughs) The fact that she's conditioned to expect the opposite reaction from him is probably a bad sign, but he's finally acting like a genuine caring boyfriend and I don't trust it. My spidey sense is tingling, but she senses there is something wrong and she makes him say it. And he says, well, 
I could quite literally kill him for saying that to you. You know, I actually really want to kill him. And she laughs. She says, I guess it's a good thing you've got so much self-control then. So she's just laughing off the death threat. And he's like, yeah, I could slip. And she's like, that's hilarious, Edward. I I don't think he was joking. And then because she's horny, she's the horniest she's ever been. Like, has she ever been this horny? Because she's constantly bringing up the fact that she wants to jump his bones. She says, if you're going to have a lapse in control, I can think of a better place for it. She is so horny. I can see why A.L. James wrote Fifty Shades now. I get it. Because there's all this unreleased sexual tension and it's driving me crazy. It's driving Bella crazy. I bet if Fifty Shades was a thing in Bella's universe, she'd read it. Because she's got some pent up sexual tension. And he's not fallen for it. He's sick of her flirting with him. And he says, good night, Bella. And she says, wait, there's something else I wanted to ask you. Oh God. And she says, I was talking to Rosalie last night. And he's like, oh yeah, I, I heard as much when I walked into the room and read her mind. And she says, his voice was anxious. And I realized that he thought I wanted to talk about the reasons Rosalie had given me for staying human. But I was interested in something much more pressing. So what could be more pressing than Rosalie's harrowing story of gang rape, survival, being turned into a vampire, never being able to have children? What could be more pressing than that? She says, what's the deal with uh, that, that clan of girls that used to live with up in Alaska? That's the pressing issue. Rosalie's trauma, she, she didn't give that a second thought. But as soon as Rosalie mentioned the hot girls, the hot vampire girls in Alaska, Bella was just consumed with jealousy. And she says, well, uh, um, Rosalie mentioned something about a bunch of female vampires and you. And Edward's like, oh God, it's only cute when I'm jealous. And Bella says, she told me you didn't show any preference, but I was just wondering if any of them had shown a preference for you. I mean, what difference does it make, Bella? How does this affect your life? What are you going to do? Go up to Denali and have words with Tanya? No, no, you're not. And she says, again, he said nothing. So she's pressing him. She says, which one, Edward? Or was there more than one? It's like, okay, okay. Shouldn't you be used to people being turned on by Edward? Every time you go to a restaurant, the waitress wants to fuck him. Why is she so jealous of these bitches in Alaska? They're all the way in Alaska. Oh, I suppose she is going to be studying there next month. Although that's a ruse as well. Anyway. He doesn't answer. And she says, I wish I could see his face. Uh, Okay. Okay. Turn a light on then. Like, I'm I'm sure there's a lamp next to the bed. Just roll over, dush the lamp on. Like, oh, I wish if there was only some way that I could see his face and read his emotion. Oh, what can I do? Turn a light on. And she says, well, all right, Alice will tell me everything. I'm going to go and ask Alice right now. And his arms tighten so she can't escape his grasp. And he says, it's late. And I'm like, Alice doesn't sleep. I'm sure it doesn't matter if it's 3 a.m. to Alice Cullen because she's up. And so then Bella's spiraling with jealousy. She's like, it's bad. It's bad, isn't it? And her heart is accelerating as she imagined the gorgeous immortal rival she never realized she'd had. Edward says what I'm thinking. And he says, calm down, Bella. You're being absurd. She's like, am I, am I, am I? She says, why won't you tell me then? And he says, because there's nothing to tell, bitch. So she's so jealous of these vampires that live in Alaska 
And yet she's completely fine walking hand in hand with Jacob strolling down a beach throwing rocks. So there's no problem with that, but how dare Edward have ever met a vampire that was attractive in his past before he met Bella? Like, I cannot. And he says, Tanya expressed a little interest. I let her down like a gentleman. End of story. And she says, okay, well, um, what's Tanya look like? <sighs> and he says, just like the rest of us, white skin, gold eyes. <sighs> oh, I really wish he didn't say white skin. <sighs> Like he could have said pale, he could have said anything, but he said white skin, like all of us, all of us. Is he referring to just the Cullens or to like all vampires? Because I know there's some, there's some difficult stuff there with Stephanie and black vampires turning white. Like I, I, if it's not pedophilia, it's racism. I just, you you never pick where one of these chapters is going to go. You can start talking about a 16 year old wanting to bang a two year old. And now you're talking about. Ah, vampires all being white. Like, it's very problematic. I have no doubt that the Cullens would be cancelled in the year of our Lord 2022. They would be cancelled. And Bella's not going to let it go. She says, oh, and they're extraordinarily beautiful too, I bet. And he's like, yeah, not my type. I prefer brunettes. And she's like, oh my God, so she's blonde. That figures. Bella's just spiralling. It's 3am, babes. Go to sleep. Shake it off. This man has kidnapped you so that you'll be with him. I don't think he's hung up on someone who wasn't even an ex. And so she sort of relents and Edward says, you're quite adorable when you're jealous. It's surprisingly enjoyable. Maybe for you, bro, but not for me. I hated reading all of that. That was a freaking nightmare to read. And then she's scowling into the darkness. Oh, the darkness, it's so dark. And he says, it's late, sleep my Bella. Dream happy dreams. You're the only one who has ever touched my heart. It will always be yours. Sleep, my only love, which I guess is meant to be romantic. And she hasn't brought up the whole walking hand in hand with Jacob thing. She she kept that bloody silent, didn't she? And then he starts to hum her lullaby and she falls asleep. Ugh, vomit. And that's the end of the chapter. What disturbed you more, the racism or the pedophilia? I, I don't know. I guess. They're both bad. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Any questions, thoughts, concerns, theories, hit me up. You can go to speakpipe.com slash breaking down bad books if you want to leave a voice memo. Or you can reach out to me via messaging on Twitter, Instagram. If you're on Patreon, start up a convo over there. There's a chat feature. Just go to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books to sign up for access if you haven't yet already. And I'll see you guys next week for chapter nine, which is titled Target. Oh, the inspired one word titles continue. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.